Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In this episode, I have a conversation with Huyen, for whom the self is inherently relational. Enjoy. Huyen, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. So good to have you. It's so good to be here. Thank you, Joachim. So good. So, Huyen, I, I met you the first time in Vietnam when I came mm -hmm. to visit with Leah, who was yes. also a guest on the podcast a long time ago. 2019. <laughs> you remember it. That's amazing. I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I met you in the context of, well, we are both part of Sandbox. Mm -hmm. And as people who are familiar with this podcast will know, a lot of my guests have come from the Sandbox community. So yes, uh, yes. this continues the tradition. Actually... This season, if I can call it this, um, I've been moving away from Sandbox as a place to find people. Yes. Uh, and that's been really interesting as well for me to like, you know, yes. tap into new networks. But I guess I asked you to be on a podcast many years ago. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. Now... I wanted to. Yes. I really wanted to. Yes. So now it's finally happening. Great. Yes, so um, maybe you want to say something a bit about yourself. There's a related questionnaire. I wasn't really sure to call you Huyen or Casper, and yes. maybe that's interesting to also talk about. Yeah, I uh, I can talk about that uh, first. I So I learned this thing from a, my teach, a teacher of mine, and he's, uh, uh, he's, uh, he taught me about how to introduce myself depending on the audience, but he said, if you want to um, work with people, you want to start with where people can understand you first. Uh, so what that means is sometimes in the social context, it's introducing myself in the conventional terms, like, okay, what you do and who you are, even before uh, who you are. And so I, I will introduce myself as, yeah, easy for people to grasp. And I like to be, I like to be grasped. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, I'm currently uh, doing my PhD in, in uh, a business school, City University of London, in London. And uh, yeah, my 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 lifelong uh, interest is in transformation uh, of the self, of the collective, and uh, I love that I'm able to explore that now in the uh, in the business school context, which is a whole new, different world. Uh, people would have thought that would be in spirituality, in psychology, and so on. But what I love is that I got to do it in a context that is. Uh, I think traditionally associated with the pragmatics and, and the practicals and then the, the transactional. So I feel very grateful to be doing that. Um, I am also a book author. I wrote a book with my co-author, uh, Stephen, called Not Being, The Art of Self-Transformation. And um, yeah, it's so beautiful to put my heart and soul into writing it. Uh, that one and then uh, i i also work as a as a executive coach so i work with uh, leaders and founders uh to <laughs> the way i describe is that i will be gently nudging them toward the direction 
that they know they would need to go to anyway already. And sometimes it's a direction related to a podcast, right? It's a direction of relating to oneself in a different way. And from that, uh, the quote-unquote external problem will, will change. Um, so that that's me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. I can tell you and everybody about the, the name piece because that's like relating to self, big dilemma right there. Great. Well, let's start with that. Why not? Um, yes. Casper versus Huyen. Yes, Casper. Uh, so, well, the story of the name Casper is that, um, and it's Casper with a K. So, uh, yes, Casper with a K. And now I introduce myself as Casper with a K. Like that <laughs> phrase is <laughs> actually more memorable. Um, and uh, so the, the thing about name is that you probably heard of this before, that our name was given to us by somebody else, at likely our parents or our grandparents. And uh, I always find it very interesting that uh, uh, people pick new names. It's like a declaration that, uh, that you know, we are in, in charge of our own destiny and so on, uh, to pick your own name. And... Um, that's like one perspective. Generally, people would call it more agency, more Western-centric kind of perspective. Um, I have known uh, with my years of studying and living abroad that I wanted, I needed and wanted an English name easier to grasp. So I know that. And I also know that I don't find a name yet. And I also have this sense, intuition, that maybe that will not come from me. Like my name is not given to me. Uh, my, my name is not chosen. I, I do not choose it. It comes to me. And um, and so I've been harboring that uh, sense that I would meet a name at some point. And uh, I think it's also beautiful relationally relating to oneself is to realize that our self is inherently relational, huh? even in the name. And so, so I wanted to, um, yeah, I'm open to have a name. And then last year I was, um, it was in a short, beautiful, romantic encounter with a crash. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then she's, uh, she's an English speaker and I'm a non-native English speaker. And I, so I just asked her, so uh, what do you think is my English name? What do you think is my English name? And she's somebody that I felt who had who she has a deep intuition and somebody who in a way sees me and also is very who understand the so-called English frame. Like she knows the landscape of all the possible names are more than I do. Um, and then she just looked at me straight and then she said, Casper with a K. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and that moment is like, you know, that when somebody just like shoot an arrow straight to your heart, it's like, you know, Valentine's coming up. And <laughs> is that one of those moments? And I'm like, Whoa, this is it. I knew it. I know it when I see it. So so that was the, the origin of the name Casper with a K. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, you said something amazing there that I want to come back to later. But first... Yes. I want to ask you my traditional opening question, which is when you hear the term relating to self, yes. what does that mean to you? 
Yes, beautiful questions. Yes, and I also love the name of the podcast when you came up with it. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, relating to self. <sighs> mm. Um, what comes up to me is the word in touch. In touch, um, and. Uh, yeah, it is something very embodied, very physical for me. It's a sense of being in touch. And uh, yeah, I feel it as, as I as I speak it from me, from 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 my whole person is in touch. Um yeah, uh <laughs> for a long time I uh for 20 years, first 20 years of my life, I did not know that I am a touchy person. Like my language of love is touch. And I grew up in a family and a, in the Vietnam culture where touch and hug wasn't a thing. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it when I first came to America for college, I was hugged for the first time, like properly hugged and that transformed my life. And I'm like, this is what is possible. This is what's possible. And so... Touch become a word that has a very physical felt sense for me. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what comes to me relating to, to self is to be in touch. I really like that. That's beautiful. And this is actually the first time ever that I realize that when we say we are in touch with something, that is actually a physical thing. Like yes. touch. Yes. I never it thought about that. So that, that's the craziest thing. So I teach contact improvisation dance. That's one thing that I do. Uh, it's a form of movement. And when I teach, I tell people all the time that of all the senses, touch is the only one that is reciprocal, two ways. You cannot touch somebody without being touched at the same time. Uh, you can see somebody without that seeing you and so on, but touch is like mutually always uh and and it really it's it's so profound and so transformative to 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 experience that touch is always both way meaning that we are always and never not in touch uh and and that's like wow it changed everything mm. yeah i really like that i'm curious about the the contact improv that you just yes. mentioned I've I've done contact improv a couple of times just because I was in a place where it happened. I've never yes. actually gone to a workshop or anything like that. I'm fascinated by it. I want to yes. explore it, but I haven't yet. So yes. what I'm curious about, of course, in this context is the relationship between contact improvisation and then the relationship that you have with yourself. What does it oh, feel like yeah. you in contact improvisation? And maybe for the audience, because people might not know, could you first describe... Yes what contact improvisation is exactly. Yeah, yes. Yes, and by the way, I'm, a, I'm supposed to be an academic now, and academic always argue about definition. <laughs> so <laughs> there will be a legit uh, concern about definition of contact improv. Uh, I would define that they are so-called the founder of the, the, the this, this form, this movement form uh, 51 years ago. They would define it differently. But I would use uh, my definition of uh, um, it's an ongoing exploration of uh, 
of uh, embody living uh, in movement and uh, yeah ongoing exploration of embody living in in, in movements um, and to make it less abstract it's uh, people see con uh, video clip and so on you see a bunch of people in physical contact and crawl on each other and touch each other uh, and and blending into each other so there's that to me it's important is one of the art form that the internal perspective as in the experience of the people uh, uh so-called doing it is is more important it's really like a form that emphasize the authenticity of the dancer rather than more uh, audience oriented or people say performative uh, form and uh, uh, and a, a bunch of people people can see that as a bunch of people doing like crazy some people link it to like wow it's little plan orgy and so on uh, but it's just beautiful uh, to 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 be in touch and I'll tell you so that how it relates to relate to self uh, is for me uh, it's it's like wow uh, you know how I imagine some people have gone on this uh, podcast have their meditation practice some people have gone on uh, meditation retreat and so on and I always found that um, yes it's one way to be in touch tune in to what's happening inside uh, and I found that relationship relate relating I use the word relating and then uh, and in this case physical relating right touching is very physical relate like skin to skin kind is it's it reveals so much about me so in a way I learn about who I am in relating with what I consider not me and then in that blur, in that boundaries between me and not me is where that deeper understanding of what relating to self means. So in in your in your language, relate to self, I would, I'm, I love the word relate, and I also love what what our experience of self is. Yeah, and back to the name piece, our name was given to us. Is that too? Mm. Yeah, I'm curious how being into contact improv has changed perhaps your own perspective of how you relate to yourself. Do you think that was a tool that you've used to improve your relationship with yourself? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so a direct example I can, people can imagine uh, can relate. I imagine is you know how you uh, let's let's take an example. Let's say you uh, what is something that you you. Uh, ask you what is something that you uh, you recently got into that you're like oh it's so good I wish I got into that sooner is there anything like that that's a great question um... well most of my practices are a few years old now but I wish uh -huh. I wish that when I was young I had known yep. of the existence of ecstatic dance Oh yes, yes, yes. That yes, for me yes. has one one of the biggest transformational practices. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, 
Yes, yes. Uh, I'm glad me too. I do that. I do more contact improv, but uh, aesthetic then, yes. So, so the how it so how how does that uh, um, um, shape or influence my my relationship with myself? Right? It's like wow. So for the first time, I have a taste of an authentic desire. Like oh, like okay, this is what I want, and then I know it's possible. And then I can I can allow myself, I can go after that and that whole like knowing that there's something that I really want, knowing that I actually there's not that many uh, uh, barrier between me and that. It's just me making up excuses and then going after that, like that becoming. So in a way, contact improv or touch taught me by giving me an example of what could be so that I can feel the deep delight and aliveness from being in touch with that which I know is possible and then going after it. It's like, whoa, what a transformation. Because you can see, um, there will be time where I don't, I lose my appetite. I don't know what I want anymore. And so uh, I feel like I'm drifting. This is not that, like, no, I know this. And you know, when I came back to Vietnam five years ago, uh, after graduation six years I didn't know what to do and I did not uh, want to do anything of was like job and so on but I do know that I wanted to dance I wanted to do contact improv and nobody was doing it so I had to be the one start learning and teaching because no one else was and that in a way that also transformed my relationship with myself I, I learned that okay you are uh, you do care about things and when you care enough you will do something about your start you can lead you can build community of around what you deeply care about i love that what a beautiful way to to know that what you desire is possible when you take action right yeah it changed everything i'm curious to know more about what you name authentic desire this is something I know, i've been I, thinking I, I a lot about to that phrase too, i'm like uh. yeah. so what is that <laughs> mean? It, like, uh. yeah yeah because you know desire is a very important part of how we relate to ourselves and a lot of the philosophies that are out there maybe are even about releasing yourself from desire you know when you think about buddhism yes. this whole idea of yes. non-attachment you know desire is yes. Yes. the enemy yes. basically yes. so yes. i'm yes. really curious what this authentic desire means to you Yes, yes, yes. And let me thank you. I love how perceptive that you were and you caught me there. And I'm like, yes, yes. Uh, so, and I'm giving some context to the listener. So my mom is a Buddhist nun in Thailand. Oh, wow. So she's like following the renunciation path of non-attachment. Huh? Like I have a direct family <laughs> example of that. And uh, so there's that. And then... Um, uh, and then uh, people who are into a little bit into this personal development world might have heard the other side, right? You know, follow uh, uh, the the now infamous line from uh, um, Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. Uh, some people have heard of that. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I just want to geek, it out, geek out on this because I... I I had a sense that this follow your bliss motto has been co-opted by too many uh, hedonic seekers. <laughs> so so I, I, I looked it up a, long, a few years ago and I looked at what's the story of that follow your bliss. Uh, and so apparently 
there was an interview with Joseph Campbell who wrote the the um, the hero with a thousand face. Many people might know. So he later answer the uh, uh, questions people were asking him. So what? Um, how do you feel about this popularity of this phrase? Follow your bliss now that you've coined it and everybody is now using it. That was I think at that time where it's uh, quote unquote uh, hippie times. Huh? So so. He said, you know, he's really thought that was very unfortunate because that was uh, a little bit taken out of context. And could he, if he could do it again, he would have said, follow your blister. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Follow your blister. Follow your contact improv blisters. <laughs> yes, follow your blister. And he was, I mean, I, as somebody who is so into mythology like him, he's really mean like the people who walk the path of the pilgrimage. You walk barefoot and your feet hurt, but follow your blister. That's not really in that sense. And I just love it. Um. So so let me relate that to, uh, to the question of authentic desire, quote unquote, versus um so-called a uh, more detached non-attached uh, philosophy right stoic or buddhism so so um uh okay let's use the word authentic desire <laughs> i i feel a little bit queasy with that word too uh, uh desire is more like bliss though that right? it's not like always deeply pleasurable there's uh, something uh, like feeling very trial about that uh that it's it's more like uh yeah there is i learned this from a teacher of mine and i, I share it right now the experience of wanting itself is very deeply pleasurable but it's a one thing and not the thing that is wanted that is important it's a one thing it's like Oh, it's so good to be hungry, even though I might not get anything to eat, but like at least I feel hungry. Huh? It's like, oh, there's that. And I, that's something that I do find very, uh, I resonate with, with the quote unquote authentic desire camp is that the experience of one thing is very pleasurable. When it's like a, a direct experience of a, of a life force almost, right? Yes, this one yes, thing yes, yes. Yeah. Well said, yes. One thing, and then we can feel it right now. Like one thing is, oh, it's like uh, so alive. So, so, um, uh, so that's a that what I resonate with with the word desire. That the experience of desiring one thing is um, is pleasurable. And then here's a word authentic to me that 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 what it means for me is um, is a little bit philosophical. I'm gonna use a word. Um, authentic, I can use the word uh, truth to, to instead of the word uh, authenticity, that truth. And truth, in one way to understand, uh, the truth is, is like the horizon. It's always that approachable and yet, yet not approach. So, so, quote unquote, a desire for what is true will never reach the quote unquote, the object that is of truth. We are always approaching toward that horizon that is true. And that experience is really good. I'm trying to make sense of that. So you're saying that if you have an authentic desire 
as in, for example, in contact improv, right? You're, you're yes. in the contact improv and you feel an authentic desire to move towards a certain person or away from a certain person. Yes, then yes, yes. You're saying that if that desire is authentic, it means that you will never reach that. There is only the movement towards it. Is that correct? Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's close. It's a slightly, yeah, I, I mean it in like following your authentic desires is, is itself a very pleasure experience. So yes, that, that, um, and then there's also, uh, so some people have said this, the difference between, uh, uh, a, I have to use language again. Uh, the the difference between the, a desire versus a longing. So a desire is something that can be quenched, but a longing is something that cannot. So in that case, I really mean more in the longing sense. But for example, I really I desire this uh, piece of cake, and I'm going to eat it, and then I will be satiated for a while. And and then for the longing is that you never be fully satiated for that longing. And that's what I mean by. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. what you said before also this, the following of the authentic desire is pleasurable in itself. What I then add in my mind is something like regardless of the outcome. So yes. it, it doesn't matter if in the, in the contact improv, if you want to move towards this person and you do so, that's pleasurable because that's your desire. But if the person yes. at the same time moves away, that's yes. not a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, and some people love the chasing. By the way, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's, there's clearly we all know that. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks. Let me go back now to the thing that you said in the beginning that I also liked so much, but I wanted to go yes. back to relating to self first, which is you said, the self is inherently relational. Yes, and I love that, and I would love to hear from you what you think about that, what you mean with that exactly, right? Like how that, how that makes sense to you. Oh yeah. It's like, I wrote a whole chapter in the book about that. And it's, uh, it's just, I, I just love that, that it's, uh, it's, um, it's more and more felt. And I hope that people are listening, feel it. So, um, so I'll start with, um, yeah, I'll start this. I'll start with this example. I came from Vietnam. And uh, one of the most challenging things that I had to learn when I applied to college and later on grad school in, in the Western world is to write the application essay. Uh, because the application essay is about me. But really, it took it's a huge gap for so-called uh, Vietnamese for me uh, to learn to quote-unquote talk about myself. That way now I can do it. Uh, but, but when I first wrote my application essays, I wrote about my family and I wrote about my mom. I wrote about my brother. Uh, and so, and so it's, uh, because that's how we introduce ourselves that you are, you are, you are like in, you are understandable and you are who you are with all the influences and forces that shape you. And one of that is relationally. So that's one way to look at that is that we are shaped relationally. Mm. Um, I'd love to interject here. Like I, I spent yeah. three months in Japan lately and I was having a yes. conversation with a, actually a Japanese ecstatic dance teacher. And I was uh, telling him about my project relating to self. And he sat with that. And then he told me, you know, it's really interesting. The word for self in Japanese can be translated as something like 
the part of society that is me or the part wow. of society that is only me. Yeah. And that sounds very similar to the Vietnamese kind of, of oh concept. Oh my gosh. And of, by the way, a fun fact for people who don't know the word for Vietnamese in Chinese is Yunnan, which means cross to the south. It literally means cross to the south. And the geographically, the country Vietnam is on the south of China. So, so it's like we are not even, we don't even have a quote-unquote entity. We are defined relationally, like cross to the south. <laughs> Amazing. It's, like, it's in the name. Yeah. Great. But carry on. So tell me yeah, more so, about this. So, so um, uh, uh, relation, relational self. And actually, Esther Perel, a uh, well-known um, relationship author, uh, use that phrase quite often, and it has long tradition. It's the, to me, now it's more and more, it's the, uh, it's the felt understanding of of uh of uh let me find the right word of the ever ever blurring boundary between self and others there's that there's that and in contact improvisation it's very it's more it's very easily felt it's also the understanding that um without this there's no that without you there's no me and I, I come from Vietnam, where uh, and my my tradition, the spiritual tradition, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, that many people might have known. One of the saying that uh, touched me so profoundly is say, um, "No, no mud, no lotus. No mud, no lotus. Um, yeah, no mud, no lotus." And, and for those who are familiar with the Vietnamese, but not even, don't even have to, is lotus is a very important, it's almost a national flower for, for, for Vietnam. And uh, lotus grow on mud, which is a dirty thing. And it's just, and you know, knowing the history of a country that is so war-torn for more than half of its 2,500 years of history, uh, we feel it very deep in now blood and bones and no mud, no lotus. So all, all the beauty that we experience in our life are, and I'm moved to tears speaking about this, um, is uh, all the beauty experienced in our life. Uh, there's no beauty without experiencing the other side of it. Uh, and that, that inherent re inherent being together in in this reality is what we call relational self mm. yeah i i hear you and i'm really curious you said the blurring boundaries between the self and the other mm -hmm. and there i guess that is a bit difficult for me to hear in a way because I have come to understand in my own life and my own practice that boundaries are some of the most important things that we have. Yes. So to understand clearly what our boundaries yes. are is essential, yes. right? Yes. So I'm curious how you see this, this idea of the blurring boundaries between self and other. And I get yes, it yes, when you yes, say yes, it yes. versus yeah. like having clear boundaries and having a clear sense of self and not getting lost in codependencies or kind yes, of like yes. unhealthy, toxic relationships with others. I agree, I agree, absolutely. And thank you for pointing that out. And I'm, I become very sensitive of that as I now 
uh, I live in in London. I live in the Western world where the 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 so-called self is a foreground and the relationship is a background. Not not that it's bad or anything. It's just how the the perspective is, and and in that framing, the then boundary is visible, is important, and the quote unquote losing one sense of self is also uh, 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 something quite uh, either unwanted or or uh, a little bit scary. And at the same time, and as listeners of Relate to Self know also, is that it's also the essence of what, uh, of, of what we call intimacy, is that blending and quote-unquote losing of oneself. And here's my take on, on the Western world from my perspective as somebody who's Western enough now, is the Western society has done an excellent job of um, creating individuals like adult independent uh, individual, which I love. It's just great. And because of that, the emphasis on boundary is so strong and you need to draw the line very clearly to know what is the individual, what is one and what is not me. And, and then of course, no mat, no lotus, right? So, so the 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 lotus of this, so the gift, the beauty of this culture of independence is is that clarity that you have. And then, uh, the mat, the not so nice part is like, oh, that sense of disconnection, and like, oh, I'm longing for that intimacy. Like, yeah, well, because you have so much independence, <laughs> and and uh, so. Yeah, and I love it's this forever tension that is just uh, it's it's it, it's beautiful to me. It's not uh, like that longing again. Huh? Hold on to the clarity of the boundary and self, and then craving, longing for that intimacy. Yeah, I I can see that field of tension between wanting to be a clear self and an individual, and then the the lack of intimacy. I think where I don't agree with what something you said is that intimacy implies losing oneself. From my perspective, and this is something I'm still very much exploring, right? So these are unfinished yeah. thoughts. From my perspective, true intimacy can only exist if both people involved have very clear sense of boundaries and are not taking responsibility for the feelings of the other. And I think the, the, the kind of intimacy that is losing oneself yeah. is kind of like toxic codependency in my mind now because I've experienced uh, these things, right? Yes, 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 yes. And I agree with you. I agree with you that that so-called lo losing oneself that way is, uh, um, yeah, it's like you're skipping ahead that you haven't done the independent piece Exactly. The puzzle, yes. you can't skip ahead. There's, this is not like a game where you can leapfrog to the next level. Huh? It's, it's impossible. So absolutely, and I totally agree with the Kao Yang, the psychology school of individuation. Like That's the journey of this life, is to be a full individual. And I, my, my understanding of what he means by that is like somebody who has, who, who has examined what is him and what is not him to continue doing that. Like yes. it is a whole process. There's no bypassing to that. Yes. And once you have done that work, the kind yes. of intimacy you have access to is so much more rewarding according to. Yes. Me. Yes. Yes. So, so, so 
I'm when I say that losing a oneself, I really mean losing a what I think is me or what I have internalized me or what I learn as me. Mm. So it's the stories. It's more about letting go of the stories of the ego. Uh, yes, and and we mean that we use the word ego not in a judgmental sense, but in the sense of like, okay, everything that we have learned to be who we are, because exactly. we we all can testify this. There, there's something called change. Right? There's something that there's we do change. Our sense of self does change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I say ego, just to clarify, when I say ego, what I mean is kind of like the stories and narratives that we believe about ourselves, right? It's, it's kind of like yes. a set of beliefs and that's changeable, right? I see that very yes. much as just like something that is carried over sometimes, but I yes. can change it because I am a living organism. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and you know, when you said the, intim- so, so the, 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 the profile intimacy after we have done the, the, we are the, the further we are in the journey of individuation, the more profound the intimacy is. Yes. So, so, um, uh, it's, it's like the experience of having, <laughs> I'm just in, I'm in winter in London right now. And it's the experience of taking off my shirt. <laughs> I feel closer, like physically in more in touch when I took off my shirt. I really like that as an image. This points to me at something like vulnerability, right? Like taking off the shirt could be something like being more vulnerable, showing more of yourself. Is that what you were referring to? Uh, yes. And uh, the word, like, because the word self to me is so hard to it's by definition not definable so showing more of ourselves some people can ask like, what do you mean by showing more of ourselves like like so what um so yeah the way i would describe is this, this and people can feel it i'm just using word to point it it's the experience of being closer to life mm, i like that the experience of being closer to life yeah, it's something maybe I would call something like an aliveness. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you feel this aliveness the most? Oh, this? I, uh, yeah, I am just geeking out right now. I was listening to an On Being podcast recently on the science of awe. Um, and he's a, he's a scientist in uh, um, the greater good in Berkeley. And um, he talked about... Uh, yeah, awe is essentially an experience of being fully alive. Huh? That's one way. And then you, you feel that awe. And uh, and he said, uh, that, so after doing research, there are several uh, kind of sources of awe. And wow, I like, I was so surprised and delighted when he said um, that the number one, the most common source actually is an act of what he called moral beauty. It's like, wow, what a phrase. Uh, to witness, um, to, to be a human witnessing other human in an act of moral beauty is uh, like the biggest source of, of aliveness. And I'm like, wow, you feel it landed on you and you say that, right? Oh. Yes, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I especially resonate with this because beauty is one of those values that I've been thinking about 
that has been so important throughout my life and that I think has kind of like been pushed to the background a bit because, you know, when I was a, an artist, beauty was at the forefront. That was kind of obvious. Right. But then as I moved away from that and became an entrepreneur, beauty kind of disappeared a bit yeah. <laughs> in my mind, but I think it's so yeah. important. So now it's when you name back. this moral beauty, yes, it's making a comeback. It's making moral a beauty comeback. You have heard of, probably have heard of the, the house of beautiful business, huh? Yes, I have. Yeah. I haven't been, but I know the yeah. people. Um, so yeah, that's uh, uh, like I could borrow beauty, and, and then and then the, you were asking me what bring me aliveness is is um, in a way uh, for me commonly yeah witnessing that or uh, witnessing just like oh gosh my uh, my housemate flick uh, gave me this card you are for those who cannot see right you are wonderful. Uh, uh, when I move in, uh, and that's like oh, so alive, so beautiful. That's an example. It's an act. It's an expression of uh, of uh, for lack of a better term, love is yes. uh, it's yes. so alive. Yeah, I think the the best definition I've ever heard of awe is something like something that connects you to something that's bigger than yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Love yes, is yes. definitely one of the best examples of something that's yes. bigger than yourself. And 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 let's uh, be embodied. Uh, I I uh, I listened to that saying from the poet Walt Whitman uh, that um, if if the soul is not in the body, then where is it? <laughs> if the soul is not in the body, where is it? Yes. Uh, and and so it's really making the case that I've experienced of quote unquote soul, not an abstract concept. It's a very felt embodied experience. Or is similar. It's like if you want to look for all, like what's a physical experience that one can experience? Now, goosebump is one of them. Right? Like what gives you goosebump? Is a might be a, a easier to answer question than what gives you awe. Right? What gives you goosebump? What yes. brings tears like to that. your eyes? Yes, I love that. Looking at these things from the perspective of the physical sensations. Yeah. Yes. Huyen, thank you so much. We're nearing the end of the podcast. Um, yes. There's one more thing I would like to ask, which is also a traditional question. Is there any question that you would have loved to answer, but that I didn't ask you? Well, um, yes. What's the questions that I've been asking myself these days? Oh, that's a great one. I, I'd love yeah, to yeah. hear. Feel free to share. Yeah, I, I share with you. It's um, and I just love that. I'm also I, I I think of myself and I think of all the people and more than humans that have influenced me ongoingly. And I love teachers and all the teaching that I have received over the years. And um, I have um, now this is it was inspired by an an invitation from a teacher of mine. Uh, he, he ran this podcast called The Art of Accomplishment, Johansson. Um, and uh, yeah, and and the, the questions that I frame for myself, or the, the questions that I frame for myself that I'm asking myself this day as not to look for an answer, but to to fully leave that questions, to follow that questions. Uh, again, to our back to our longing not to reaching but longing continue following the questions is um what is it like to move even closer into a life that i would truthfully 
love? What is it like to move in even closer to a life that I would truthfully love? What a beautiful question. Huyen, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure that question will be very inspirational for many people who listen to this podcast as well. And if you're listening to this and you feel like sharing what comes up when you hear this question, feel free to reach out. You can reach me at joachim at relatingtoself.com and I will gladly always reply to your little notes. And on that note, Huyen, how can people find you? Where are you? Where can people read about you? Where do you share stuff? Yes, thank you. Uh, I am uh, easily found on Google. So just type in Huyen Casper and people will see K-H-E-Y-E-N and then Casper with a K. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that uh, and then uh, I have uh, a newsletter that, cool, that, that uh, we can forward. Uh, it's called Enzyme, Enzyme for Thoughts. So there's that um, on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, anywhere, uh, organically grow all over the place. <laughs> yes, Wonderful. yes, yes. Well, I will make sure to post all these links in the show notes as well yes. so that people can find you and then maybe have a conversation if they're inspired. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm just so grateful that uh, you, yeah, I can, knowing you, I have felt your, <laughs> longing for like a better term now <laughs> for your longing for a, 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 a another way of relating to self and being in the world and and now that you have been hosting this exploration i just felt the person you are and now is uh is such a bright gift thank you so much Huyen. that's so beautiful to hear Yes. Have a wonderful evening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody for listening. Thank you, Joachim. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.